0: Well, the Written House jury has wrapped up day two of deliberations. Without reaching a verdict, we'll play some videos probably showing you guys why that might be. Paul Gasar is being censured by the House for a meme video of AOC. And we're also going to be discussing the COVID cases that are surging in areas of the world that are the most vaccinated. All this and more on tonight's episode of Rapid Fire. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for tonight. Now, before we get into the show, I would like to dedicate this specific podcast and all future podcasts to my Theo Eddie. He recently passed away. He was one of my biggest advocates, biggest supporters, and he watched every single one of my podcasts and he's been following my career since the start. He always inspired me and motivated me to keep going. Even when I doubted myself and my career and I love him a lot. So I want to dedicate this show to him and just say thank you to him and our entire family for all of their support always, um, of me and, you know, support within the family. So, Just wanted to say that and open up with that and also say as well, if you enjoy the show, please remember to follow it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play. We're trying to get up to 200 reviews before the end of the month on Apple Podcasts. Link is down below. Please leave a five-star review if you like the show. Also, you can follow me on my website, savsasofficial.com, where you can find all of my videos uncensored. And finally, savsays.locals.com. A lot of you guys ask how you can support me, and that is one way to to do so. Now, we have a lot we're going to be getting into tonight, specifically on the political persecution facing many Americans today. We've been experiencing this for the past four years, I would say. But we have since seen the first, and actually, let me open up this article. I completely forgot to do so here. Uh, We are seeing that a judge has sentenced U.S. Capitol writer QAnon shaman to over three years in prison. And I wanted to open up the show with this article today because the political persecution is still running rampant here in America. Um, If you guys have seen what has been happening to the January 6th political prisoners, congressmen and women from their districts have been denied entry to the D.C., prison where they've been held. The conditions that they've been held in are inhumane. And now this QAnon shaman has been sentenced to over three years in prison for the crime of pleading guilty to obstructing an official proceeding when he and thousands of others stormed the building to try to stop Congress from certifying Joe Biden's election. So that's why they say they're putting him in prison for over three years. It's absolutely ridiculous that we're seeing this when you can look up news articles right now where pedophiles and child sex abusers have gotten away with much less. This man had the audacity to go walk on the Capitol and now he's being sentenced to over three years in prison. This is absolutely abhorrent, truly. And it's just another testament to how corrupt our justice system is and how how much the political elites will come after the average American citizen for having the audacity to stand up to them. Now, this bleeds into the Rittenhouse trial because this... In itself is another example of political persecution in this country. Kyle Rittenhouse, again, two-way loving white male who, you know, I'm sure if we look into his political leanings, very conservative. This is in itself a political persecution. That's exactly what we've seen with this trial. And a couple of quick updates here. As of yesterday, we thought we were going to be getting the verdict, right? Usually when the jury deliberates, they they pretty much know what the verdict is going to be. And I think everyone in America has come to the conclusion of whether or not they think that Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty or not guilty. Now, yesterday it came out that two jurors were holding up the decision outright citing backlash per the U S Marshal in Kenosha. They are saying that they're worried about media, leaking their names, what will happen to their families and jobs, including doxing threats from anarchist groups. So, Day two of deliberations has wrapped up. We still do not have a verdict. We have jurors who are nervous that they're going to be doxxed. We've already had reports that people have been filming these jurors outside of the courthouse. That footage was ordered to be deleted. But this is the, the landscape in Kenosha right now. And if we look at what's currently going on outside of the courthouse, there are already arrests being made. There are already violent Black Lives Member uh, Black Lives Matter members outside of the courthouse chanting Black Lives Matter for some reason in a case where a white man shot two other white men. Now, Black Lives Matter are in the mix for some reason. And you have your jurors, you know, who should have been sequestered. For some reason, they haven't been but you now have your jurors fearing for their lives, fearing for their safety and refusing to make a decision. And I think that we can all come to the conclusion of what that decision is and what the, that decision these jurors want to come to without saying it. Obviously, they want to plead that he or, you know, say that he's not guilty, but they're scared. They're being dictated by mob rule right now, out of making that decision. So we'll be going on to day three of deliberations tomorrow. We will see what the final verdict for Rittenhouse is. Uh, But another update regarding what happened today. Rittenhouse lawyers asked judge to declare mistrial over video. Kyle Rittenhouse's attorney asked the judge to declare a mistrial, even as the jury in the murder case was deliberating Wednesday, saying the defense received an inferior copy of a potentially crucial video from prosecutors. Judge Schroeder did not immediately rule out the request, the second mistrial motion from the defense in a week. The jury deliberated a second full day without reaching a verdict and will return again in the the morning. And at issue was a piece of drone footage that prosecutors showed to the jury in closing arguments in a bid to undermine Rittenhouse's self-defense claim and portray him as the instigator of bloodshed in the Kenosha uh, riot of 2020. So basically, the prosecutors had HD footage of what happened and they didn't send that to the defense, which... Again, is them withholding important information. Uh, Many people are saying that this should immediately be deemed a mistrial with prejudice. And uh, for those of us like myself who may not know what that means, a mistrial for prejudice to the defendant means that the judge must declare a mistrial upon the defendant's motion if there occurs during the trial an error or legal defect in the proceedings or conduct inside or outside the courtroom resulting in substantial and irreparable prejudice to the defendant's case. So uh, basically, uh, for a case to be dismissed with prejudice means that the case is dismissed permanently, it cannot be brought back to court, and the charges cannot be refiled. So a lot of people right now calling for that mistrial with prejudice and also asking the very important question of why this jury has not been sequestered. Now, another interesting angle to this is the fact that there are Black Lives Matter members outside of this courthouse. They're in a very angry mob. Two of them have since been arrested today. Multiple fights have broken out because there are supporters of Kyle Rittenhouse in front of that courthouse. And what's happening to those supporters? They're getting attacked. They're getting body slammed. There's a lot going on. I'll show you footage of that. But more importantly, there's this mentality of... On the right, especially going back to January 6th and tying back to that of fear for going and standing up in support of Kyle Rittenhouse because they were afraid that they're immediately going to be deemed a white supremacist or a terrorist, a domestic terrorist on American soil. If they go out and they have their voices heard at this uh, in front of this courthouse and in front of this trial, uh, if you look at the movement of the right since January 6th, many people are like, you know what? We're scared to protest. We're scared to even go out and petition our government because look look what happened and look how hard the government has been weaponized against American citizens. Again, we're going to be talking about the fact, too, that uh, A.G. Mayor Garland lied under testimony regarding whether or not the FBI was weaponized against parents at school board meetings and treated like domestic terrorists. So, I mean, we've seen this time and time again, where the DOJ, the FBI, we have all of these corrupt intelligence agencies coming forward and straight up attacking like American citizens, if you will. And and when I say attack, I don't mean like a physical attack, but just coming in and infringing on their privacy, infringing on their rights, treating them like domestic terrorists for having the audacity to, again, exercise their First Amendment right. So that's what we're seeing. And in regards to this this trial right now, that's one angle where people are nervous to go protest and be pro-Rittenhouse in front of that courthouse because they know that Black Lives Matter will come and beat them up. And then if they try to fight back, they're going to be public enemy number one. Another angle to this is that the media is now trying to frame Kyle Rittenhouse in this entire trial as, well, if Kyle Rittenhouse was black, he would have gotten off much easier. And again, we bring up the example of that school shooter here in Texas a couple weeks back who was black and shot his teacher and wounded several others. And then he was let out on bail the very next day. So, yeah, let's look at the justice system in regards to how it treats white men and black men in this country. Of course, they're trying to the media, that is, turn this into a racially divisive issue when, again, this was white-on-white crime, if you will. And when I say crime, I mean that Joseph Rosenbaum, a known child pedophile, like a child sexual assaulter, a pedophile, uh, Gage Grosskreutz, and then Anthony Huber all had criminal histories. They were all there to riot and loot and destroy Kenosha many people have done the math for us because of the media is trying to say that Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have been there that he crossed state lines that he wasn't even from Kenosha well uh um <clears throat> Gage Grosskutz, the known Antifa member who actually attempted to murder Kyle Rittenhouse and isn't on trial, he actually traveled from West, I believe it's pronounced Alice, uh, Wisconsin, 51 miles to get to to Kenosha, whereas Kyle Rittenhouse traveled 21 miles to get to Kenosha. So who really put in the work to be there and travel far to uh, have their voice heard that night? Definitely the Antifa member. He put in the work that day and then he was also there, again, committing crime, unlike Kyle Rittenhouse, who was tr- uh, trying to defend his community. But seeing the way that this entire trial has been handled, the way that the media has come down so hard on Kyle Rittenhouse, on anybody who has the audacity to de- defend him, even the judge in this case, the judge himself came out today and said, I don't know if I want any of my trials live streamed to the media ever again because of the way the media handled this entire situation. They've been extremely irresponsible in this reporting and the media narrative, as we have already seen, they've been trying to paint the people who died that night in August at the riot as victims. They were extremely upset when the judge said that they couldn't be referred to as victims, that they had to be referred to as rioters, looters, and arsonists because that's in fact what they were. The media was upset that they couldn't be labeled as victims because the media wants people to think that these were great people who were outstanding members of society, who were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and we're already seeing that narrative being shaped. Now, my friend Julio Rosas works for Town Hall Media. He was outside of the courthouse and yesterday interviewed a pro-Rosenbaum supporter outside of the courthouse in Kenosha, this is what she had to say. With the sign in particular, uh, you know, you're calling uh, Joseph Rosenbaum a hero. Um, There's kind of been questions about why you would call him a hero considering his uh, criminal history involving minors since he's a convicted sex offender. Sure. Um, So my answer to that is what it says right here on August 25th, 2020. They, they were selfless heroes. They, they could have saved. They could have saved dozens of lives. I would never jump in front of a guy with an AR15 strapped on. him. And so they were heroes. And I'm sick and tired of everybody making like they, you know, like they deserved to die. They were good for nothing. They were useless. No they weren't. You know, they were they were unbelievably brave, courageous indiv- individuals. And so so nothing about his uh past uh, I criminal sex work. We care about what happened on this day. And and you know what else? He's not here anymore. So why do we why do we why do we even have to bring all that up? Seriously. Th- th- that's nothing but hate, hate. Talk and unnecessary. It's, like it's unnecessary. Like, we all have issues, what you, wear. you know. It I've got a hit. criminal record. We don't murder people for yeah. Okay. Yeah, we don't just murder people. But Joseph Rosenbaum wasn't murdered. Kyle Rittenhouse acted out in self-defense. Let's let's get that straight. First off, ladies. Second off. They're heroes. Are you freaking kidding me? They went down, they went to Kenosha to go burn the city down. And I love how these insane leftists are trying to phrase these insane, like these criminals. That's what they are. They're criminals as heroes who jumped in front of Kyle Rittenhouse's AR 15 to save dozens of other lives. No, Kyle Rittenhouse had amazing control of his gun that night. Joseph Rosenbaum, Anthony Huber, the only people who were attacking him. The only people that were attacking, again, uh, Kyle Brittenhouse that night, were the only people who got shot. So he had great trigger control in that situation, especially when he was being chased down by a vicious and insane mob of criminals. So I just, I wanted to play this video so we could all understand the mindset of a, a huge portion of Americans when they're watching this case. Do you think either of these two ladies watched one minute of this trial for themselves, not the media's representation of the trial, but actually watched the trial for themselves, maybe even listened to a lawyer. I was on with my good friend Adam Kriegler last night, and he brought up the point that, you know, uh, his friend Rakita Law has been one of the biggest streamers and biggest Yeah, biggest people who have accumulated the biggest audience while streaming this trial. And he made the very important point that he is a lawyer himself. He's been bringing fellow lawyers and attorneys on to talk about this case. And that's the difference between watching this actual live stream of the trial, where you have limited commentary from actual lawyers, versus watching the media's representation of this trial. They're very different. And that's how we have people in society now who think that these criminals were heroes and that they saved countless lives. The brainwashing is absolutely insane and I can't stand it. Now, I've said this already that the jury is wrapping up but they've already wrapped up their second day of deliberations they're going to be going on to their third day why do you think this jury is so scared to make a decision let's check in on the outside of the courthouse i was gonna not yet but i was waiting so as you guys can see here yeah, he there's a man wearing an yeah, f right Kyle t-shirt yeah, yeah. and he attacks a female counter protester Body slammed a journalist to For my podcast. Whoa. That's what's currently going on in the really Body slammed journalist to This is what is currently going on outside yeah, other you than the outside. Yeah, he just punched a journalist. Are you okay, man? We'll see. I got you. Grab his camera. Grab his camera. Please. So there's already violence happening. And on top of that, if we uh, also look at this footage from earlier today, two protesters have been arrested outside of that courthouse. So there's already violence that's happening over there. It's not a good situation. No wonder the jury's scared to make a decision because it's essentially as soon as we make that decision, as soon as we make our voices heard, it's going to be chaos if we don't make the right choice. So that is what was currently going on today. And again, I wanted to make the theme of this episode and this show about political persecution because it's not just the January 6thers who are being politically persecuted. It's not just Kyle Rittenhouse. It's not just the Second Amendment that is currently on trial with this ridiculous case. It's also congressmen, so we had a Representative Paul Gassar today censured for what I guess the House deemed as a violent video. He declared it a violation of his free speech. Now, my friend Patriot Jay used to intern for Paul Gassar, and when he put this video out, I thought it was absolutely hilarious, and I sent it to him because I was like, Oh my gosh, Paul Gassar is wilding out. What is this? And it was essentially an anime video of Paul Gassar. And he it was like about open borders. It was a good versus evil. AOC was in it. And apparently this video was so violent that the house had to censure Paul Gassar over it. Because we can't be advocating for that. The House voted Wednesday to censure Republican Representative Paul Gassar of Arizona for posting an animated video that depicted him killing Democratic Representative AOC with a sword, an extraordinary rebuke that highlighted the political strains testing Washington and the country. Calling the video a clear threat to a lawmaker's life, Democrats argued Gassar's conduct would not be tolerated in any other workplace and shouldn't be in Congress. Gassar issued a response saying that if this cartoon incites violence and needs to be banned and be punished for it, then the Cartoon Network, Disney, and all of Hollywood must be shut down and punished for all the cartoon and film violence they portray as well. He pointed out that even Twitter, the left's mouthpiece, did not remove the cartoon, noting it was in the public's interest for it to remain up and then a minority leader kevin mccarthy came out and said that it was an abuse of power by the democrats and that's pre- pretty much all that mccarthy is going to do uh, because we know that republicans are spineless and every single time the democrats come on the offense we're just always like oh no please don't do that to us democrats oh you guys already took all the power away from us we're republicans have no spines and we're weak so we're just gonna say please don't do it again so great job, Kevin McCarthy. Um, so again, AOC came out in an emotional speech and said that our work matters there's meaning in our service and when we incite violence with depictions against our colleagues that trickles down to violence in this country. And Gosar said that this was mischaracterization, that the cartoon was not dangerous or threatening and it didn't. he's never espoused violence towards anyone. And the decision to censure Gosar is one of the strongest punishments the House can dole out and it was just the fourth in nearly 40 years. And the resolution will remove Gosar from two committees in the National Resource and the Oversight and reform panel on which Ocasio-Cortez also serves, limiting his ability to shape legislation and deliver for constituents. So there's a lot going on with this, and the main point that I want to make here is that This depiction of violence. Like, I'm so tired of this nonsense in society. Words are violence. This video was violence. No, it's not. Violence is violence. And this comes from the same party who advocates for violence and says that rioting is the voice of the unheard and advocated for Black Lives Matter and Antifa to burn down our entire country for a year. And you're telling me that a video mocking AOC is violence? Are you joking? I mean, Democrats in themselves are a complete joke, so we would expect nothing less from them. But this is absolutely ridiculous. And this comes on the day that per CNN, 100,000 Americans died in a year from drug overdoses from fentanyl, mind you. But of course, Congress spent the day instead talking about censoring members over Internet memes. So I'm really glad that our politicians are focused on what matters in this country. Uh, Again, per CNN Health, drug overdose deaths top 100,000 annually for the first time, driven by fentanyl, CDC data shows. And fentanyl, okay, It's, it's funny that this story dropped in the same day that the House is talking up to Paul Gasar and coming down so hard on him and rebuking him for a damn video meme when we have a fentanyl crisis going on in our country. And uh, per the DEA, because I wanted to really make sure that we're getting our facts right here. Where does fentanyl come from? Typically, illicit fentanyl primarily manufactured in foreign clandestine labs and smuggled into the United States through Mexico is being distributed across the country and sold on the illegal drug market. Wow, sounds like we should be getting our borders under control and talking about the fact that a large number of Americans are dying from fentanyl overdoses like good old George Floyd instead of getting mad over Twitter memes. Maybe Congress should be more focused about what's currently going on in this country and what's actually affecting real Americans instead of getting mad about videos that were mean to AOC. Now, since we're talking about fentanyl in our open borders, Apparently, U.S. authorities encountered 164,303 undocumented migrants along the southern border last month. Per Fox News, Octo- October illegal immigrant apprehension surged 128% from the same time last year. Most of these migrants are from Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras, the number of migrants apprehended at the U.S. southern border in October has surged 128 percent from the same time last year. Again, according to data released from Customs and Border Patrol, CPP data showed 164,000 migrant encounters along the southern border in October, a rate that has skyrocketed since October of 2020. And in October of 2020, there were 71,000 apprehensions. Let's fast forward to October 2021. 20- 2021 under Joe Biden, one, over 164,000. So let's not forget that while our entire economy is going to shit and uh, Joe Biden doesn't know which way is up and which way is down, the, the borders are still open. We have drug trafficking, human trafficking, fentanyl overdoses happening as a result of these open borders. And what the hell do our politicians care about being Twitter home monitors? I'm so excited that they're focusing in on what matters. But that is what matters to them. Censoring our speech, censoring what we're allowed to see and hear because censorship is a great way to keep control of the narrative and make sure that everyone's being a good little American and obeying the state, obeying their government, living in fear. If it's not COVID, it's climate change. Remember that the government has to come in and save you. The government is the one that you need to depend upon. And remember, guys, To get your unemployment check, you don't actually have to, uh, you know, get a job. All you have to do is be showing that you're actively looking for a job and then you can keep, you know, collecting those unemployment checks because why would you want to actually get a job when you can make more money collecting checks from the government instead? Lots of incentive there and we are seeing record high rates of unemployment in this country and people just quitting their jobs and there's multiple reasons for that. But one of them is because the government is In essence, right now, trying to keep people dependent upon them. Now, PBS hosted an expert on authoritarian regimes and they tried to do it to bash Donald Trump, but he had a much different insight on authoritarian, uh, yeah, an authoritarian state. And it was very interesting to me because uh, listening to this made me think about. Where we're currently at in America, and if you look at authoritarian regimes or dictatorships, for example, North Korea, one of the ways they keep their people under control is via starvation, uh, a destroyed economy, making them dependent on the government, and then absolutely ruining their lives, ruining their way of living, which is what we're currently seeing in our economy right now. We're seeing the beginnings of that, or maybe even the middle. I don't know. We're pretty far into it. We'll be getting into that in a second, but let's watch this quick video. In your book, you're describing the directives of Mao Zedong during the Cultural Revolution that would be distributed publicly every night. And then you write, this is your quote, they served a function similar to Donald Trump's late night tweets while in office. They were the direct communication of a leader's thoughts to his devoted followers, enhancing the sanctity of his authority. So do you see Donald Trump as an authoritarian? I, well, I don't, you know, he, if you are authoritarian, you have to have a system in supporting you. You cannot just be authoritarian by yourself, but uh, certainly in the United States with today's uh, condition, you can easily have an authoritarian. In many ways, you're already in the authoritarian state. You just don't know it. How so? Many things happen today in U.S. It can be compared to Cultural Revolution in China. Like what? Like people trying to be unified in certain political correctness. That is very dangerous. So very important video there. And if we are hearing that we are essentially already in an authoritarian state and we don't even realize it, I think a lot of us do, but the average American doesn't. And Again, this gentleman used the example of everyone trying to be politically correct. But if we take it a step further and look at how previous governments have gotten their people to the point of not even being able to fight back against their government, we've seen that via starving people or destroying the dollar and destroying their entire economy has also gotten the job done very well. Now, bringing it back home here, there was a lot of economy news that I didn't get to last week. So we're going to brush over some of that and then also add some more relevant news, starting off with the fact. That the U.S. consumer price jumped 6.2% in October, the biggest inflation surge in more than 30 years. The consumer price index surged 6.2% from a year ago in October, the most since December of 1990. Core inflation, stripping out food and energy, increased 4.6%, the fastest gain since August 1991. Energy, shelter, and vehicle costs led the gains, which more than wiped out the wage increases that workers received for the month. So that's what we're currently experiencing in Joe Biden's America. But lucky for us, we have the media to swoop in and make sure that we're not thinking for ourselves. And we know that, in fact, it's actually a good thing that store shelves are empty, that inflation rates are going up. Remember we had, I believe it was MSNBC come forward and say, well, inflation's actually a good thing. It just means higher paychecks. And, um, Now we have Bloomberg coming out because we know that many grocery store shelves around the nation are slowly emptying out because of supply chain issues. Well, Bloomberg says suddenly Americans can't spend like they used to. Store shelves are emptying and it can take months to find a car, a refrigerator or a sofa. If this continues, we may need to, gasp, live more like the Europeans. That might not actually be a bad thing. So this is the media. Sitting here and telling us, well, if grocery store shelves are empty, it's because of the consumer. We saw them. They've been doing this for a while now. So it's not surprising that they're doubling down on it. But when you have a president who is causing the supply chain issues via unconstitutional mandates and is not allowing our economy to recover, the reason why there are supply chain issues are large in part because of Joe Biden's vaccine mandates because workers don't want to adhere to that because there's a lot there's a lot going on with that because Joe Biden refuses to allow us to just get back to normal and they're using covid as a fear tactic to con- again continue plunging us further into economic chaos. But the media just says, well, it's the consumer's fault. Maybe we should be less greedy. Maybe we should live more like the Europeans. If you if you can't buy food, it's totally fine. Like European people only eat like twice a day anyway. We don't need to eat as much as we do in America. Grocery store shelves are actually a really great thing. And I tweeted out, again, first the media started off with inflation is rising. Here's why that's a good thing. And then grocery store shelves are empty, but it might not actually be a bad thing. And I ended it with this other headline from Business Insider that says the robots are taking our jobs. And that's good news for everyone. And that's just another further example of how many of the things that are bad in society, and we know are bad at a very common sense level, the media comes in and doubles down and says, no, actually, you're wrong. Let us think for you, because a large portion of America does need somebody else to think for them. And so they read these headlines and say, oh, well, I thought that a robot coming in and taking my job was a bad thing. But I guess it's really a good thing, just like the inflation rates, just like the rising gas prices, just like the empty grocery shelves, just like socialism and communism and Joe Biden, not knowing how to lead a country. Like all of these are actually really great things. And I think everyone just really needs to calm down. CNN again. What supply chain crisis? America's largest retailer is doing just fine. I love this article because if you read seven paragraphs in, it says several large retail chains, including Walmart, have chartered their own ships to deliver goods from Asia, stocked up on extra merchandise, and relied on their deep pockets and broad supplier bases to adjust to supply constraints. Those options are too expensive and inaccessible for most small shops, which typically have less financial flexibility to absorb higher costs and keep prices down for customers than larger competitors. So CNN in their tweet headline are like, well, what are you guys talking about? There's no supply chain issues for Walmart. And then in the same article have to come out and say, well, they did have to charter their own ships and they did have to use their enormous size and clout to be able to get through the supply chain disruptions again, caused by Joe Biden and globally because of all of this COVID nonsense that the government is implementing it on us. And so what CNN is essentially saying to you here is if you're a small business owner in America, you don't matter. Well, Walmart's fine, so everyone else should be fine. It's not really that big of an issue and everyone's freaking out for no reason. Forget you, CNN, you freaking suck. And in their same attempt to say that, well, actually, there's not really that bad of a supply chain issues like Walmart's doing fine. The same publication, CNN, says Thanksgiving items are running out of stock, but don't panic. Here's why. It's a good thing. Everyone can be skinnier if we don't have as much food to eat on Thanksgiving. Come on, guys. Also remember that Thanksgiving is a racist holiday anyway, so why would you even want to celebrate it? Come on, guys. We're, we're combating racism with empty grocery shelves. This is actually just 40 chessel along. Joe Biden, in an attempt to get people to stop celebrating the racist holiday of Thanksgiving, enacted an entire supply chain global crisis so that people wouldn't celebrate it. Now we have the media coming in saying, well, it's actually a good thing that we're running out of uh, Thanksgiving items. No, that's me just joking around. But it's absolutely hilarious to me when CNN says, well, actually, like supply chain issues really really aren't that big of an issue. Uh, you know, if you're a multi- million-dollar corporation like Walmart, you shouldn't be affected by it if you could just hire your own uh, you know, cargo ships. Not really that big of a deal, but also we do recognize that there are supply chain issues, but there's not. That's the media, guys. Amazing. Now let's jump to the gas prices in America because we know those are surging as well. From Washington Examiner, oil industry accuses Biden of smothering ability to respond to surging prices. Oil and gas industry players say that Biden administration policies have tied their hands, preventing them from boosting production and easing price pressures as the nation faces some of the highest costs in years heading into the winter holidays. Some oil and gas producers say the Biden administration is directly preventing them from drilling more through regulation. Others say the administration is indirectly limiting production by signaling to potential investors that oil and gas will be penalized in the future. So apparently you have some producers who are struggling who say we'd love to ramp up production, but they can't because of federal permits and they have to wait for federal agencies to approve permits versus a small operator who maybe operates entirely on a private land, but is constrained by the capital markets. And that is from Tim Stewart, who is the president of the Oil and Gas Association. It goes on to say as well that the bur- Bureau approved 671 permit applications in April, a number that progressively dropped each month through August, which saw 171 approvals or just over 25% of April's total. Uh, He's quoted again saying that they've got plenty of product, plenty of resource. Getting it, getting to it and getting it to the market is another thing. So that is what the Biden administration is currently doing and probably why we're seeing gas prices surge. Also, Biden proposed a 20 year ban on new oil drilling near Native American sites in New Mexico. My father is in the oil field, and he was talking to me about the ban that Biden was trying to impose on the oil and gas industry, uh, stopping them from fracking on federal lands. And now we're seeing all of these propositions of 20-year bans. Uh, After years of tribal requests, the president plans to block new oil and gas leases within 10 miles of Chaco Canyon in New Mexico. The move generated, of course, strong pushback from industry groups. So a lot of memes go around where it's like uh, Joe Biden pleading to OPEC, like, please, please don't hold America hostage. Don't make our oil prices go up. Our gas prices are so high. And it's like a, a like a Chad Saudi Arabian who's like, you are literally stopping the production of oil in your own country and you're stopping fracking of gas and natural resources in your own country. Like, don't don't blame this on us, fam. That's all you. So. You love to see it. Just kidding. We absolutely hate to see it. The further destruction of America and how Joe Biden is complicit in allowing this controlled demolition of our once prosperous economy under Donald Trump. Nobody could deny that it was very prosperous. Everyone was doing very well. Look at us now, guys. Look at us now. What else is Joe Biden doing? Well, on Monday, he met up with President or he I believe it was a phone call, actually, with uh, President Xi Jinping, and um, yeah, but Joe Biden and his entire party are essentially uh, trying to appease. The Communist Chinese, and this headline came out, Biden reinstates commitment to one China policy on Taiwan in call with Xi. President Biden on Monday reiterated his administration's commitment to the one China policy on Taiwan during a virtual meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping. Biden underscored that the United States remain committed to the one China policy guided by the Taiwan Relations Act and that the United States strongly opposes unilateral effects to change the status quo or undermine peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. Under the one China policy, the U.S. does not recognize Taiwan as a separate state from China. And under the Taiwan Relations Act of 1979, the U.S. is committed to providing Taiwan with arms for its defense. The law does not commit the U.S. to sending troops to Taiwan to defend it. And we all know that uh, China has been impeding on Taiwan's airspace. I had the The privilege of going and reporting on the protests in Hong Kong, the pro-democracy protest before China took that over as well, Um, was very sad to see because many of the Hong Kongers, which is very pro-democracy, they were pro-freedom. They didn't want the communist Chinese coming in and impeding on that. But the Chinese have since taken over Hong Kong and now they're going into Taiwan and they're trying to do the exact same thing. And Joe Biden said, yeah, great. No big deal. Uh, That's awesome. Raheem Kassam did a really great thread on this appeasement to the communist Chinese per the Biden administration, and he said that Xi threatened the US and Biden said nothing back in vivid language that has come to define Beijing's strident rhetoric. Mr. Xi criticized politicians in the United States who he said sought to use the island status as leverage over Beijing, speaking of Taiwan, a trend he described as dangerous. It is playing with fire, and if you play with fire, you will get burned, the Chinese readout cited Mr. Xi as saying. The New York Times even admitted that China won. China counts the meeting as a win, achieved without any compromise with Joe Biden. So uh, yeah, the Chinese are getting everything that they want from this weak leader. And that's what what we know Joe Biden is. He's a weak, incompetent leader. He is not strong. He does not stand up for America, for democracy. And it's so funny because we saw that scary ass video come out of Joe Biden where he was like, there is there is less democracy in the world than there was a hundred years ago. And he was like going so crazy and people were like, oh my gosh. And so the same man who's crying about how there isn't enough democracy worldwide won't stand up for Taiwan who is trying to have their own democracy and their own freedom from China who are crazy ass communists who go and have social credit scores actually implemented for their people, facial recognition towers. If you speak out against the government over there, your your ass is going to get disappeared. There's actually a Chinese athlete right now who um, I guess admitted or spoke out and said that she she made sexual assault allegations against a Chinese official. Nobody's heard from her since. That's China. Also, let's talk about the Uyghur Muslim concentration camps where they're essentially slaving people out over there. We could go on and on about China's atrocities, but luckily for China, they're protected by the UN. I believe they're even on their Human Rights Council, along with, I believe, Iran and North Korea. I don't know if they're on the human rights councils, but uh their, their human rights council for the UN. Yeah, look at some of the countries that are on that list. It's laughable to say the least. China protected by all of these agencies. The World Health Organization covered for China at the beginning of the COVID release. Uh, Tadris I can't remember his last name. I'm not I'm going to butcher it. So I'm I'm not even going to attempt it. Basically, the director of the World Health Organization immediately came out. and was like, oh, China didn't do anything wrong. So that's the World Health Organization that was covering for China. The U.N. has covered for China. And now we have Joe Biden basically bending the knee to China and saying, yeah, you guys can do whatever the hell you want. We're not going to do anything. We'd expect nothing less from the president, who after signing the one point two trillion dollar infrastructure bill, as you can see in this video, has the presidential seal blurred out many people are questioning why this keeps happening because this isn't the only video that is like this um maybe because it's a short clip somebody doctored it and blurred that seal out i'm not sure but there's several videos that are circulating like this of joe biden with that seal blurred out it's very strange i never saw anything like that under donald trump uh people say it's because Joe Biden is not a legitimate president. That's just what other people are saying. I'm just reporting that to you guys. So who knows? Speculations on why that seal is blurred out? Let me know. Also, let's take a peek at how Kamala Harris is doing. Now, Jack Posobiec a couple months back was talking about the shade war going on inside the White House between Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. And we are now seeing articles like this one from the New York Post coming out saying Kamala Harris is sidelined Amid growing tensions with Joe Biden, insiders are saying... It's hard. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris feels increasingly isolated inside the White House as her approval ratings plummet with the first female VP believing she's not getting the same support given to other members of the Biden administration according to a detailed new report. And uh, one of her former aides says it's because she's not a white man and that's why she's being treated this way. Um, no, it's because Kamala Harris sucks and nobody likes her. She's fake. She's awful. She's horrible to listen to. She's the worst of the worst. Why do you think her run for president wasn't successful because she sucks. It's so funny too, because you know who's on the 2024 democratic ticket? You're not, you're going to love this. It's Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg. Please, please. Dear Lord Jesus, let the Democrats, let that be their ticket ahead of 2024. Let's go Kamala for president and Pete Buttigieg for VP. That is the biggest losing ticket. I don't think I could, maybe if like Eric Swalwell was paired up with AOC, that could be even worse. I don't know. I don't know. Let me know in the comments or in a review on Apple Podcasts. Remember to leave a five-star review. We're trying to get it up to 200. Let me know in the comments what you think a worse pick would be, but Kamala and Pete, that is a winning ticket for Republicans, I would say. Now let's go ahead, now that we're done talking about the destruction of our economy, why inflation rates are so bad, why our gas prices are surging, why grocery store shelves are empty, and uh, you know how strong China is getting. Now that we're done talking about all of that, all of the political persecution, let's get into COVID news and the fact that uh, COVID cases seem to be surging in some of the most vaccinated places in the country and in the world actually isn't that kind of crazy yeah but before we delve into all of that insanity let's actually start off this piece of the show with some good news so per the washington times osha has suspended activities related to biden's vaccine mandate the Occupational Safety and Health Administration suspended work on President Biden's vaccine mandate after a federal appeals court hit pause on rules that would force companies with 100 or more employees to require COVID-19 vaccinations or regular testing for coronavirus infection. OSHA said the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals decision to stay the mandate forced its hand, but that the fight over Mr. Biden's rule or emergency at temporary standard isn't over. So basically... People are fighting back, businesses are fighting back against this mandate. They're saying it's unconstitutional, it's ridiculous, and OSHA is even saying, and the courts are saying, that there is a lot of legal repercussion that will come from these mandates, and it's going to be very difficult for Joe Biden to continue to push this forward. So OSHA has since suspended those activities, and the reason we're starting off with that is because we needed some good news here before we delve into all of the insanity like Dr. Fauci being tied to more horrendous animal experimentation. Yeah, you thought that the beagles and the other monkey experiments are bad? There's more. There's more. But I wanted to start off our COVID block with some happier news on that front. So that's since been suspended. Shout out to all of the businesses who refuse to bend the knee. Look what happens when Americans come together and they push back. We have our voices heard. And we tell Joe Biden, hey, screw your mandate, guy. We're not doing this unconstitutional. You're not going to come in and tell me what I can do. My body, my choice, as the left loves to say, except when the right says it, we're not trying to murder somebody else. That's the difference there. Now, uh, speaking of murder and atrocities, let's talk about Dr. Fauci for a second, okay? Let's talk about Dr. Fauci because he's being tied to new horrendous animal experiments. And I didn't think more could come out, like him botching the AIDS epidemic, him experimenting on beagles, destroying portions of monkeys' brains with acid to make them more afraid and then experiment on them further on how to terrify them. Well, a new document has come out saying that Fauci's National Institute for Allergens and Infectious Diseases funded Island of Monkeys in South Carolina used for horrific maximum pain experiments. Dr. Fauci and the National Institute of Health are using an island off the coast of South Carolina to breed monkeys for use in horrific maximum pain animal experimentation. Now, this is again from the White Coast Waste Project, who came out with that investigation of the beagles that were being eaten by sandflies. They say, our new investigation has found that Fauci's revolting record on taxpayer-funded animal testing is even bigger than BeagleGate. He's also wasting millions of tax dollars to subsidize a secretive island where primates are bred for his labs that inflict punishing pain on monkeys and ghoulishly withhold pain relief from them. So apparently 600 monkeys are taken from Morgan Island per year and shipped to some of the federal government's most painful and cruel laboratories for animal research. And that is so heartbreaking. Uh, you guys can see the, vid- the pictures on screen here. Apparently the uh, agency used 15, I don't know how to say that word, I'm not going to attempt it, basically uh, 15 different types of monkeys for a pilot study and I'm trying to find here where this study was, there it is. These experiments include infecting primates with Ebola and other viruses, tuberculosis or inducing sepsis and more recently Uh, SARS-CoV-2 on different primate species, Uh, again, maximum pain experiments, and then they withheld the pain relief from these poor little monkeys. And uh, just to reiterate, don't forget about how Dr. Fauci was uh, tied to spending $100 million of our taxpayer money on torturing lab monkeys by destroying portions of their brain with acid to intentionally worsen their fear. And then they would be tortured with rubber spiders and mechanical snakes. On top of that, we've already talked about BeagleGate here. The investigation that showed that Fauci's NIH um, was granted $370,000 to a lab in Tunisia to drug beagles and lock their heads in mesh cages filled with hungry sandflies. And there's that picture there. Just so we can all be aware of who Dr. Fauci is, the same Dr. Fauci that's pushing to get you and your child vaccinated for your health. That's who this person is. That's who Dr. Fauci is. He botched a previous epidemic and he botched COVID. The pandemic here in America, absolutely atrocious. Dr. Fauci, if we look at his history and now his ties to all of this horrific animal experimentation, like at, at a basic level, if you can't treat an animal with dignity and respect, how can you treat a human with dignity and respect? Like look at the way that people treat their animals as to like who they really are and who their character is. So Dr. Fauci tied to a third now horrific experiment involved in torturing animals for scientific research. Yeah, this is the guy that's, that's giving us and leading us through a pandemic for health and safety. Yes, yeah, safety and Dr. Fauci should never be put in the same sentence because he's a psychopath. Now, another thing that I've been continuously reporting on and I've been finding very interesting is the number of children who are being vaccinated with the wrong dose of the COVID vaccine. Now on my last show, and I think this is my third or fourth consecutive show now where I brought up a story like this. Why does this keep happening? And why are we not more concerned about it? Several California children are sick after receiving a wrong dose of a COVID vaccine. And this happened in Antioch. There was outrage among some parents in California's Bay Area as 14 children were given the wrong amount of COVID-19 vaccine this past Saturday. At least two kids were given double the recommended dose. And yeah, okay, here, here's the uh, Denise, who's the mother that's being interviewed in this story, says that uh, 10 hours later after getting the doses, her older child fell down twice so children being given the wrong dose of this vaccination having extreme side effects and everyone's kind of just overlooking it it's not a big deal why the hell on every single episode of my show lately have I been reading articles like this this is a pretty serious issue and um maybe we should be questioning this a little bit more I don't know maybe we should be questioning this when 12 to 14-year-old young boys are having heart attack-like symptoms or people are getting Julianne Beret after getting the vaccination and having adverse effects. Maybe we should be, you know, a little bit, curious as to what's going on in society. Maybe we should be curious when in like my last episode, I laid out how there's a mystery rise in heart attacks from blocked arteries. There's a mystery rise in heart attacks linked to weed usage. There's a rise in heart attacks due to pandemic level stress. Just all of these random rise in heart attacks specifically linked to young individuals who otherwise wouldn't have them. Very weird how that's happening now, and nobody's questioning it, and nobody questions it because we're not even allowed to talk about it, and I put my entire YouTube channel at risk every single day by even reporting on this news because we don't live in a free country. I'm just going to point blank say it. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, say what you will about them being private companies. Opinions are formed. People vote for presidents based on the opinions and the facts and news that they gather from these different public forums, and the fact that these are such powerful places— Yeah, people should be allowed to have access to all information. They really should. Now, I was thinking about this a lot because in my last episode, I was talking about how Joe Scarborough is a criminal for his his irresponsible reporting, and a lot of these media members are criminals for their irresponsible reporting on... The trial in Kenosha, on Kyle Rittenhouse, on any of the Black criminals who were shot in 2020 that led to the incitement of actual riots and actual violence because of the media's false reporting and the media completely lying to all of us. Now I called them criminals and I was like, you know what? They should go to jail for this. Now I was thinking about this because I oftentimes say that I'm a free speech absolutist, and I still am, and I still stand by that, but I still stand by both statements because I'm a free speech absolutist when it's equally applied to both sides, and it's not equally applied right now. And how do I know it's not equally applied? The fact that my Twitter account was deleted because I had the audacity to go and do the actual reporting on the riots last year that no one in the mainstream media would do. It's not applied equally, so if it's not applied equally, then those who are actually criminal in their reporting should be held accountable and should face consequences. That's all I have to say about that. Now, going back to the just insanity of the lockdowns that we've been experiencing over the past two years at this point, uh, Ireland apparently is reimposing COVID-19 restrictions, including a midnight curfew. 93% of the adult population is fully vaccinated, but all right, they're reimposing their COVID restrictions. On top of that, Sweden will be introducing COVID passports. And then, uh, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this Gilber- Gil- Gilbert, I think that's how you say that Gilbertar. It is a territory in the UK, one of the most vaccinated places in the world, is canceling their Christmas celebrations because they are having surges of COVID-19. Again, despite being one of the most highly vaccinated territories in the world. They are now tightening their COVID restrictions over the festive period following a spike in COVID cases. And it's not only there that that's happening. Remember in Austria, all of the unvaccinated are being put into quarantine for the next 10 days that happened this last Sunday. That's when that was imposed. Well, Austrian COVID cases have hit a record high on the third day of lockdown for the unvaccinated. And don't forget as well that highly vaccinated Israel is seeing a dramatic surge in new COVID cases. This is an old headline from August. But the point still stands that all of these highly vaccinated areas, not only around the world, but here in America as well, seeing a huge surge in COVID cases bringing it back home. Vermont has the highest vaccination rate in the country. So why are there cases surging? Vermont is one of the most vaccinated states in the country and has served as a model for its COVID-19 response throughout the pandemic. But now the state is experiencing its worst COVID-19 surge yet. Nearly 72% of residents are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. And then of course they're like, well, it's because of the Delta variant. Like, oh my gosh, it's so scary. And it's like the Delta variant. I'm sorry. How do we test for the Delta variant? Can somebody remind me of that? Do we have a test for the Delta variant? I don't, think we do so how is the media saying it's because of the delta variant when we can't even test for the delta variant somebody answer me that I don't know it's just really really weird how that's happening don't you guys think all of the most vaccinated places and this doesn't this isn't even in just America this is worldwide at this point reimposing covid lockdowns and restrictions imposing the passports imposing the lockdowns the most vaccinated areas have the highest surges in cases is anybody going to use common sense? on this. Is anybody going to stand up against this and say, yeah, that's kind of weird. We're not doing this anymore. No. And that's why these corrupt governments continue to impose these restrictions because they know that they can get away with it untouched. Now, not to get conspiratorial on you guys, but since we're talking about infectious diseases, I got to show you guys this. It's actually pretty crazy. So this article came out from Yahoo News on November 4th, 2021. Bill Gates warns of smallpox terror attacks as he seeks research funds. Okay, so apparently Bill Gates says that he's warned governments to prepare for smallpox terror attacks and future pandemics. And, you know, the government really needs to invest billions of dollars into research and development. So he made these comments at the beginning of the month on November 4th. Smallpox terror attacks. Now, let's fast forward to November 16th. That was yesterday. Yahoo News. FBI investigating vials labeled smallpox found in a lab near Philadelphia. Where in Philadelphia, by the way? The FBI and the CDC... Are investigating questionable vials labeled smallpox and found in a freezer last night at a Merck facility outside of Philadelphia. That's really interesting. Merck. Yes, Merck, the same company that's selling the federally financed COVID pill back to the U.S. for 40 times what it cost to make. So the same company that is currently profiting off our current, uh, you know, very infectious pandemic has smallpox, alleged smallpox vials, in one of their facilities. In the same month that Bill Gates came out to warn about smallpox terror attacks. It's kind of crazy, guys. I'm, you know, I'm just trying to say, like, that's just a really, really weird coincidence. Really strange. And, It's interesting, too, like I said, that this was found in a Merck facility. And for those who aren't conspiratorial, they'll probably just be like, oh, well, they're probably just doing research into, you know, making more vaccines for smallpox or making an ingestible pill for smallpox in case that ever pops back up again. You never know. Uh, Similar to COVID, it could accidentally get released. I don't know. Also, Bill Gates really, you know, needs billions in funding for his research. And if. Smallpox epidemic breaks out. I mean, that would be the opportune time to fund that. <laughs> just saying it's a very coincidental, guys. Um, I'm not saying anything's actually happening with that. It's just all a conspiracy, just like that to be known. Just saying it's very weird. Now, one of the treatments, now, this one is an FDA approved, and many people say it's not a treatment. We have to preface that with. This article with that. Um, But uh, many people have said that ivermectin is something that could potentially treat COVID at a lower cost. Of course, it's not FDA approved. The Daily Mail says a Texas doctor who promoted ivermectin as a COVID treatment has been suspended from her hospital. Dr. Mary Bowden was suspended from her position on Friday at the Houston Methodist Hospital for promoting ivermectin as a treatment for COVID. Bowden had posted a series of pro ivermectin tweets online and even slammed the vaccine mandate. She also claimed in emails that she, okay, and I have beef with this right here, that she rejected vaccinated patients from her personal practice and claimed the hospital did the same with the unvaccinated. Now, I have beef with this portion here because she didn't reject any vaccinated patients. She said that she was not going to be taking any new patients because she wanted to make room for those who are unvaccinated that are being pushed out and denied medical care right now. So at no point. Did she say, oh, a vaccinated person came to me and I denied them treatment and she still has her regular patients who are vaccinated that she's still treating. But of course, this is what this headline reads. So anyway, we now have Texas doctors. If you're promoting ivermectin, you will be suspended from your hospital. And that's the absolute state of health and safety in America. But we're going to end the show on a good note now. At the end of the last show, we talked about the uh, Old Dominion University assistant professor who was pushing the terminology maps, which is minor attracted person because we don't like the... Negative connotation surround that surrounds pedophiles. We have to start saying maps. Well, the students of Old Dominion do not agree with that. And they have been putting signs all around their school and writing it in chalk maps equals pedophiles. Call them what they are. They are pedophiles. So the students are pushing back at this university. And we absolutely love to see it. So Old Dominion students said, hell no, no pedophiles allowed. On top of that, remember that Scottsdale school board member that had a dossier of parents that opposed CRT and mask mandates, well, he has since been removed from his position as board president. A board member in the Scottsdale Unified School District was removed from his position as board president after parents uncovered an online dossier, which included personal pictures, divorce proceedings, and financial records of parents in the district. So that guy's out. And also... an FBI whistleblower showed documents that uh, the FBI was using its counterterrorism division to investigate and add threat tags to parents, contradicting what A.G. Merrick Garland said in a sworn testimony. He said that this was not in fact happening. Well, a whistleblower came out and said, actually it is. And here's what is currently going on right now. Last month during your testimony before the Judiciary Committee, you testified that the Department of Justice and Federal Bureau of Investigation. We're not using federal counterterrorism tools to target concerned parents at local school board meetings. This is a letter uh, directed to AG Garland. It says we are now in receipt of a protected disclosure from a department whistleblower showing that the FBI's counterterrorism division is compiling and categorizing threat assessments related to parents, including a document directing FBI personnel to use a specific threat tag to track potential investigations. So truth is coming out. We're seeing the reality of who this attorney general is, which we're not surprised about at all, who our FBI really is. And people are getting upset about it. Parents are getting upset. And now we're seeing these school board members getting kicked out. We're seeing pedophiles being kicked off of these universities. And we're seeing teens now suing in New Hampshire as well. Apparently, this school punished this teenager over saying there were only two genders. And he is now suing his high school for violating his right to free speech and religious beliefs. So I wanted to end the show on a positive note there. The fact that we live in a country where you can't even say there are only two genders isn't positive, I would say, because there are only two genders, and it's ridiculous that we're not allowed to say that. Science does no longer exist. It does not exist in this country. It really doesn't. And that's why we're still living in fear of COVID and climate change in 2021, and why a teen is now suing a school because he said there's only two genders. Absolutely ridiculous, but I'm glad that this teenager is doing that. I'm glad that these students at Old Dominion are pushing back against that weird pedophile professor assistant who should be kicked out of that school. I'm glad that this school board member who was collecting a dossier of concerned parents got kicked out as well. And I'm glad that the FBI is being exposed because they freaking suck. All right, guys, that's all I have for tonight's episode of Rapid Fire. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please remember, if you like the show, to go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That is the easiest and freest way to support me. I read all of your reviews on there and I appreciate every single one. I'm trying to get us up in the charts, trying to get more people to start watching the show. So if you like this video as well, um, please share it on YouTube, go on Odyssey, like it over there, watch it over there, share it with a friend. You can also find these uh, videos on my website, safsaysofficial.com and more exclusive content from me on safsays.locals.com So go check out all of that. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you guys next time.